Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. I learned a long time ago. I learned a long time ago. Players win games. Carr claps his hands. Now gets the ball. Back to pass again. Fires towards the end zone. Adams reaches. Grubs! What a throw and catch! The Fresno connection works for the Raiders. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And it goes down tonight. Week 5 officially gets underway for the NFL, and that's just strange to say, right? Week five is already underway as we went through the whole summer, went through training camp preseason, and couldn't wait for the NFL to return. And now it's here. We're already more than a month through. Uh, it's incredible. Well, Thursday night football gets you underway tonight. Matter of fact, if you're looking for a spot to watch Thursday night football, make sure you join Clay Baker from the morning tailgate. He'll be out at Chickies and Beat inside of uh, Las Vegas, Sahara, Las Vegas. Uh, he'll be having all the great prizes and, of course, plenty of great TVs and a lot of good food to choose from there at Chickies and Pete. Again, inside Sahara, Las Vegas. Check him out for Thursday night football. And, of course, the Raiders will actually close out week five Monday night football action, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Raiders from Arrowhead Stadium. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I got my man Damon Cotton back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the I'm in the home studio. I haven't come up with a good name of it yet, but it's the home studio, and that's where I'll be for the next few hours. And, of course, tomorrow I'll be out and about at Buffalo Wild Wings, our normal Friday spot. You can catch me out at the Premium Outlet Mall, so make sure you come on by, say what's up. That'll be from 2 to 5 p.m. Friday as we close out the week really strong. But today is Thursday, so we got to get through Thursday. we got a, a big show lined up for you as we do each and every day. Of course, Raider Nation, we want you to chime in throughout the course of the show, 702-365-9200, and then our text line as well, 69187, keyword R&R. Make sure you hit us up early, and you make sure you hit us up often. Coming up on the show today, we continue to do a deep dive into the next opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs at 2.30. We'll be joined by a radio host from Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City, also does sidelines for the Chiefs Radio Network. That's Josh Klingler, a real good dude. He's going to join the show to talk about all things Kansas City and this matchup coming up on uh, on Monday. And one of the first things I got to ask him, Damon, is I got to ask him about is it a bigger storyline when it comes to Kansas City? Is it a bigger deal with the, the bus trip that people are still talking about or the stomping on the logo from last year? Personally, I would think it would be the logo stomp, if anything. If you're going to if you're gonna pick anything to kind of motivate you or get you fired up, I would think it would be the logo stomp from last year as opposed to a trip around the stadium, which I thought was silly, uh, in a bus with a head coach that's not even with the team anymore. I mean, just so many things about that bus trip I think is stupid. But that's just me. So that's going to be one of the first questions because it's so funny. I continue to hear people talk about it, and then I have people tweeting at me. It's like, no, I live in Kansas City. Nobody's talking about it. So what is it? Is it is, are they talking about it? Are they not talking about it? What's the case? So that's going to be one of the first things that uh, I asked Josh about when, uh, when he joins us at 2.30. What are your thoughts on that, Damon? I think that the bus lap would be a bigger deal because that came after Why? a loss. It came after a loss. So I know that like roster turnover, it's not the exact same team, but the stars are still there. Mahomes is still there. Kelsey is still there. You don't like lo- when you're a professional athlete, you don't like losing to anybody at anything. So that's more of the hey, they stepped on the logo and we took care of business after they stepped on our logo. That would be, for me, that would be my mindset. Yeah, they did then we showed them. But then the bus trip They beat us, and then they took a lap around. 
that's why it would be more aggravating for me is that that's what happened after a loss. That's I, that, I mean, you might be right. You might be right. I think it's silly, to, to, to tell you the truth. But oh, that's yeah, it's definitely me. silly. <laughs> that's just me, you know, and a lot of folks are, are apparently still talking about it. So we'll talk to Josh coming up at 2.30. As, again, give a deep dive into the Kansas City Chiefs, what, uh, you know, how the team is looking this week, uh, what's he hearing from practice and all that good stuff. And uh, side note, Damon, he does sidelines for the Chiefs radio network. So uh, a little jealous of his job. He's got the best job in, uh, in football. Just saying, it's the best job. I mean, it really is. Our job is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love doing the pre-pre-show uh, at Allegiant Stadium. I love doing that. I love doing post-game show at the M Resort or whatever the case may be. Anytime I can be on the radio, it's great. I'll, I'll take it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But being the sideline reporter is the best job. Now, I think that for him, it's probably not the best all the time because I know in Kansas City, the weather ain't always great. <laughs> right? So a lot of times he's got to deal with that. And I'll tell you, man, there was a time in Texas – and uh, it was it was right there in Colleen, Texas. As a matter of fact, it was a it was a stadium where like four high schools st- shared the same stadium. So we would always go out there on a Thursday night, and that's when I was doing sideline reporting for Temple High School. And so we do go out there, and the broadcast would be on a Thursday night. And Demond, I promise you, dog, as God is my witness, I don't know how this happen- happened, but the rain cloud would find me. Right. I mean, if it was going to rain on the, in the stadium that night, it was going to be wherever I was standing or wherever I was walking there. It was so bad one time. I remember one of the players, uh, he looked at me and was like, damn, dog, you all right? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, he was I mean, like, he really felt bad for me because I was drenched. I had taken a trash bag, put it over over top of me. Uh, my clothes were drenched. I gone up into the, the press box at halftime. I actually literally took off my shirt, took off my undershirt, just put a jacket back on because that was drier than everything else. I mean, it was absolutely – I was so miserable, so miserable. I was like, I'm never going to experience that again. So I went out and bought some expensive uh, frog togs, they're called, and they keep you super dry. And uh, so I was always good after that. So that was the one-time bad experience, but, man – that, that was so bad, and I was so miserable, and for some reason, the rain always found me. No matter where, I, I could have been standing under like an overhang, and the, the rain would have got in there and found me. It was, it's absolutely ridiculous. So as much as I say that's the best job ever, every once in a while, I can think of a better one. It's almost like being one of those weathermen where they're just, hey, yes. man, yeah, and then you got to give your, they're clean to, for dear life right? as the storm is about to blow them away. But how much prep did you put into the sidelines? Because you really miss it. How much prep? Because I've never, I've never done the job before. Oh, I put a lot. I, I had my own spotting board. You know, I, I mean, everything. I had the, the rosters. I would have the rosters uh, on a little clipboard thing that I carried around my, uh, around my neck. I had a headset on, and I had a headset, uh, and we called it the little Britney mic. It looked like a little small little mic. And, uh, and I was able to use that. But then at the same time, we had a, a handheld mic on the sideline as well. So when I went to talk to the coach, I held the handheld mic, the, cord, the wireless, and I'd talk into what we call the Brittany mic, and then I would hold the mic in front of, you know, coach's face. So it was just a really good, fun conversation. And, and if I was talking to players, it would be really cool. But, yeah, no, you did all kind of prep work, man. I mean, it's, it's as serious as the radio job, right? I mean, you've got to have – you've got to know what you're talking There's nothing worse than listening to a sideline guy saying, oh, 55 made a good play. Well, who the hell is 55? That's Chandler Jones. 
or you know, and and you got to have nuggets, man. You got to know, uh, you got to know the team. You got to know uh, who you're talking about. You know, you got to be conversational and ready and beat Johnny on the spot when when the guy in the booth says, "Hey, that, you know that play happened right in front of Q. Q. Let's go down to the sideline. Q, uh, what was that? Be like, oh man, I think that that was actually a first down. That was a bad call. This and that. You know, I mean, just you got to be Johnny on the spot, right? I mean, you got to be following the game and just be all over it. That's why it was so much fun because for four quarters, you would never really not be focused in on the game. You would always be so, or at least I would be so locked in because I didn't want anything. I didn't want to miss anything. And then I get to walk up and down the sideline and follow the ball. Best job ever. Steve Cofield does a great job for UNLV broadcast on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. He does a great job with it, and uh, I'm slightly, somewhat, you know, jealous of him because he gets to do that. Would you <laughs> want to do that for UNLV even though you're – Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, man, I'll do that for uh, Coronado High School if they call me, man. They'd be like, Hugh, <laughs> we need a sideline guy. I'm there. If I could squeeze it into my schedule, <laughs> I would be that guy. So, enough about sideline reporting. Josh Klingler, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City and Sidelines for Chief Radio Network. He's going to join us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, Matt Lombardo. He actually has a brand-new show. He's joined the show before, but at 3, he's going to talk about his brand-new show, the Matt Lombardo Show, presented by Heavy on Sports. He's going to join us to talk about that. He really does a deep dive into anything NFL. He's a senior NFL reporter. His first guest on his brand-new show, Devontae Adams. So there you go. We're going to talk to Matt Lombardo about his new show, what to expect from his show, and his conversations with Raider wide receiver Devontae Adams. I'll come up at 3 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, our good friend Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Broadcast. He'll join the show, and uh, we talk to him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. On Tuesdays, we review the game that just passed. On Thursdays, we preview the upcoming game. So we'll talk all things with Lincoln about Monday night's game, what he's expecting. Uh, if you listen to the Raiders Roundtable, man, we had a really good conversation. JT the Brick, Lincoln Kennedy, and myself. If you listen and check that out on YouTube, first of all, we appreciate you for checking out. Two, you all understand Lincoln's hate and hatred for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so I'm sure it'll be a real fun conversation coming up at 4 o'clock as Lincoln talks to us about Kansas City Monday night, what the Raiders need to do to come out of there with the victory. And then at 4.30, Vinny Bonsignor from our uh, morning show, the, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang, and also the RJ. He'll join us at 4.30 talking about what he saw at practice today, what he learned in the locker room, talking to different guys, just kind of the mood, the, you know, the, the temperature of the players as they get, pre get prepared for uh, Monday's game against Kansas City. Also, we'll get our first injury report of the week uh, as I expected we talked about it yesterday normally we get the injury report on Wednesdays but since the game is on Monday everything got pushed back a day so we'll get an injury report today we'll get one tomorrow and we'll get our final one on Saturday as a matter of fact head coach Josh McDaniels will talk to the media on Saturday so I'm kind of holding off on getting my appointment for my haircut on Saturday because you know I got to go every Saturday I'm waiting and holding out to see what time we're going to meet with Josh McDaniels so I can go do that and then make a beeline to end the cut and go get my uh, my haircut like I always do on Saturday, so that's 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 kind of the schedule. But yeah, everything's pushed back a day because the game is on Monday night. So that's that's the lineup that we got for you, Jamon. And of course, anything that Vinny sends over, any kind of locker room sound that he gets, similar to what happened yesterday, we'll definitely get on the show as well. So Josh Klingler at two thirty talking Chiefs, Matt Lombardo at three o'clock NFL and Devontae Adams. Four o'clock we'll have Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Broadcast, and then Vinny Bonsignor will close out our guest lineup coming up at 4.30. Lots to get to on this show. Very excited about it. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. 
Now, I had a couple different directions that I wanted to go with this uh, topic for today's show. And, uh, Damon, you don't even know yet, as I was driving to the home studio, I actually changed my mind on what we have written down on our, on our outline to what's in my mind right now in my head. So since we have a, a couple extra days, we don't have to worry about getting to the keys of the game on, uh, on tomorrow's show because we still have Monday. We'll have a little abbreviated version of Unnecessary Roughness on Monday. Uh, so we don't have to really rush into that. So I just wanted to know, Raider Nation, and, and look, honesty is all I ever ask for. I don't care if it's good, bad, ugly. I don't care if you call in and say, Q, I hate you. As long as that's your honest-to-God feeling, fine. I'm good with that, right? That's all I ever ask for. That's what we ask for for our guests that join the show. Just give us your honest answers. That's the only thing that we could ever do is be honest with each other. I'm not into blowing smoke up anyone's backside. I'm not into saying something is good when it's not. I mean, it don't matter. But I want to hear from you. I'm very curious, Raider Nation, and I think we're going to have a lot of different feelings on this. I want to know what Raider Nation feels like the biggest storyline for the Raiders is through the first four games of the season. Like, to you, what is the biggest storyline? What stands out to you the most? If someone says, describe to me the Raiders' season so far, and I get it, it's a one-in-three start, so it's obviously it's not going to be rainbows and puppy dogs. I get it. What would you say? How would you describe? How would you hit someone with the storyline to the Raiders' season so far through four games? And the reason I ask this question is, well, for multiple reasons, but I, uh, I was doing a crossover edition last night on the Locked On Raiders podcast. We do it for every Thursday. And Chris Clark, who's the host of the Locked On Chiefs show, uh, he asked me straight up. He said, well, what, what's the biggest storyline for the Raiders? And this was mine. And, again, this is just my opinion. Feel free to hit us with yours, 702-365-9200. And, of course, the text line is 69187, keyword r I said the biggest storyline for the silver and black through the first four games is – the inability to consistently score touchdowns in the red zone. I think that that's the biggest storyline. And the reason I think that is because they've consistently shown that they can get up and down the field. They've consistently shown that they can score. Look, the Chiefs, who the Raiders play on Monday, they're first in the league in red zone scoring. The Raiders are second. I mean, think about that. The Raiders are second in red zone scoring. Problem is they've had more field goals than touchdowns, where the Chiefs have had 15 touchdowns. That's the difference. That's it. So you know it's not really, you know, oh, the team's not very good, the team stinks, they can't do – no, it's not that. I mean, honestly, I was just listening to uh, ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. I was listening to Canty and Carlin, and one of their questions was, you know, what's the biggest surprise one-in-three team and who do you think could turn things around? And both guys said the Raiders. They have the most talent. They just got to continue to put things together. They're the, they're the one team that's sitting at one and three that no one expected to be sitting at one and three. So I think that there's still a lot of respect for the, the Raiders. I know I still have a lot of respect for the team. I know I, I think that they have enough talent to go and get it done and, and compete, as I mentioned, with any team. I don't think there's one team in the league that if they had to play them tomorrow, you'd say, oh, there's no chance of them winning, including Kansas City, including Buffalo, including the Eagles, including the Cowboys. And, I mean, any team that's a good team. I say the Cowboys because they have really good defense, not because their offense scares anybody, but their defense is really good. But you get my point. I don't think there's one team in the league that the Raiders could not compete with. The only problem is the same problem that we've been talking about for a while, that my man Fabian, shout him out. Maybe this is the Fabian topic today. (laughs) For me. I guess it's the Fabian effect for me. They just haven't been able to capitalize when it counts the most, which is the red zone. You know, on, on Sunday when we, I was sitting in the press box, my mom texted me and said, I think, I think we have this. 
saying she thought the Raiders were going to win the game. And that's when the Raiders had the ball, and they were going on that long drive, and Josh Jacobs punched in his second touchdown. And before Josh Jacobs punched in that second touchdown, I said, only if they get seven on this drive. Because they were up two. I said, they win this game if they get seven, which is obvious. It'd be a two-score game. But if they only kick a field goal, then they leave the door wide open like some old-school TV attendance for Denver. Well, Josh Jacobs handled that and got into the end zone, so it was game, set, match. No, no questions asked. Another example in the press box on Sunday. I was asked right after they kicked a field goal, I think they had fourth and one in the red zone, and they end up kicking a field goal. I was asked, are you okay with that? Did you like that decision or no? And I said, I didn't like that decision personally. And it, it turned out to be the right decision. I didn't like it because I felt like the Raiders had to stop making field goals, had to stop kicking field goals, and had to go for the jugular and get in the end zone. And the response was, which is the correct response, I know I was probably speaking emotionally, which is fine. The correct response was, yeah, but if they, if they pull a Baltimore Ravens and not kick the field goal and go for the touchdown and they turn the ball over, then a field goal beats them, which, again, was the right answer. But me, I was like, man, damn it, I'm tired of field goals. Like, I was getting angry, and you can't get angry in the press box. Lucky for me, I had Jason Fitz sitting next to me who was an emotional mess, <laughs> right? He was an emotional dude. He was very fired up in the press box. So anything that I did, any kind of motion I made, he took all attention off me. So for me, the biggest storyline, and it's, again, just me, I think it's the, the inability for the Raiders to cash in. They get up and down the field like just about like no other. They're really good at getting up and down the field. One way, one how, they make it happen. But, man, when they get into the red zone, it's almost like there's a force field on it, and they can't punch their way in. It's almost like, me. I mean, I used to get that girl's number, but I can never, you know, I can never cash in. She'll pick up the phone. I, I was always, you know, you know, fellas, we never want to be in the friend zone, right? Oh, that's my best friend. That's, that's, a man's, that's what a man don't want to hear. Oh, this is my best friend. Nah, I don't want to be that. I don't want to get stuck in that zone. That's, that's Damon and Kayla's zone. Oh, that's my best friend. Not at all. <laughs> oh, oh, we didn't change the game. We haven't got a Kayla update. No, no, we're just, we're, no, we're just actual good friends. That's all. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. As I mentioned, no man wants to be labeled in that zone. Best friend. My best friend. I can go on to a whole other subject of what that means, but that's a whole other day. We'll, <laughs> we'll do that on a Saturday show. But uh, I want to hear from you, Raider Nation. What do you think? 702-365-9200. What would you consider the biggest storyline for the Raiders through the first four games of the season? Damon, who we got up first? Passionate Raider. Passionate Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, dude? Hey, hey Q. Q, Damon. Damon, put that man in the headlock, man. You're three times his size, man. Q, you got me over here dying with that, man. Best friend. I can go all day on the best friend. Don't do that, man, like that, man. You didn't steal my own concentration off, man. God, that was good. Oh, man, my, my biggest word right now, Q, when you, was, when you asked that question, the first thing that came to my mind was confusion. Because what the Raiders thought they were, they're getting reformed into what Josh wants them to be. So right now, as if you see it on the field, there's a lot of confusion on where we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be. But it's not a bad confusion. I mean, it's not like we have bad players out there. And, and I've got confidence in all of our players right now on the field. You know, the only one that still has that big question mark is D.C. And I still say, prove me wrong. Because is it, this getting closer and closer to this game against the Chiefs? This is like Raider Nation Super Bowl. Like, the games I live for every year are the Denver and the Chiefs are the two games that I love the most. And the closer it gets, the more fired up you get. And, JT, if you're listening, I said 28-25 Vegas, not 48. <laughs> but 
I think and I believe that this team is going to come in. I think the reason why I said 28-25, I think that this defense is going to come out and come together and play hard all game long. And I think this offense is going to – I don't think it's going to be a up and die. I just think it's going to be a battle of the ASC West team. It's not going to be no big score. I hope it's not. I'm praying it's not. And it better not. So – Let's get that straight, boys, on that defensive line and that offensive line because that's what this game is going to have to be won, the defensive line and the offensive line. Who can control the line of scrimmage, Q? If we've got the, if we've got the momentum right now after coming off a good win at home, tasting that victory, now we're going on the road where Derek has had success there. He has had. But we don't have to let Derek have the whole show. He just has to do what he did last week, run the ball, and put the arms on his ass, you. Let's go, Raiders! There he goes, passionate Raider, fired up. Let's keep this party moving real quick. Fargo Raider, you're up next. What's up, dude? Hey, Q and Demond, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, you know, she says he's just a friend. <laughs> well, baby, but she say mean. he's just a friend. <laughs> And he says he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you. <laughs> Damn right. I had to bust that one out. Keep the classic around here. Yeah. It's a hip-hop Thursday, by the way. There you go. Um, now, getting back to the meat of the call, uh, the storyline for me personally, I'm going to say it's a, te- it's a tale of two halves. Dr. Okay. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They have not found the consistency, consistency yet to play an entire game. We saw the closest we've seen last game. But still, you know, first quarter wasn't exactly what we'd expect out of them. But we are seeing the improvement, and I'm happy about that. But the, that, that would have to be the storyline for me. Atella, too, has Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They've not been able to have two solid, dominating halves, and they're going to have to get there sooner rather than later if we want a shot at the playoffs. Forget winning the division right now, even getting in the dance. The P word now is back to <laughs> Thank you for taking my call. You have a great day. Damon, you are three times the size, but an armed with, let's not lie to ourselves. You can still get it done. I, I believe in you. <laughs> there he yeah. goes, Fargo Raider. I like it, man. I like it. I, I love the friend zone conversation as well, man. I spent the majority of my life. And, look, I can, I can say this right now because I'm at home, and I'm at home by myself so I can spend some time with this subject. Yeah, that best friend zone sucks. <laughs> Straight up. That best friend zone sucks. Now, around 4.30, 4.45, I'm going to shut that on down. I ain't going to be saying that no more. But right now, <laughs> right now it's okay. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Let's talk to our guy, JC, calling out of San Diego. What's on your mind, brother? No, JC, he's gone? Okay, just kidding. Hardcore Raider, what's up, dude? Hey, what's up, Q? Gentlemen. Hey, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and, uh, you know, uh, I ain't wanting to kiss hell, but I'm just going to say that, you know, like my MVP or – the thing that stands out to me is just really like uh, I'm going to say Raider Nation Radio, man. Uh, the content you're putting out, uh, I don't know how many people like know that you were on the radio back in Texas uh, not too long ago, but man, you coming over to the Raider Nation and covering the Raiders full time is, is a huge blessing. And you, JT, Demon, Vinny, I mean, all you guys are killing it and putting out great content for Raider Nation. So for me, that's I'd say like my number one story. But as far as the players. Um, I'm going to say underachievement and some guys maybe not earning their paycheck, you know, yeah. and I agree on the, on the red zone and whatnot, but, um, you know, just the disappointing thing is, is that we know this team has talent and that yep. there's, they're so much more capable than what they've been able to produce. And I think it's going to come together, but 
you know, it's taking a little more time than we were hoping or wanting. But, um, you know, they just got to prove that, you know, they can all gel together. And I think it's coming. And I hope we get another good game like last week where they're showing uh, their talents because I think they're way too talented to be one and three or, uh, you know, some of the inefficiencies we've seen. But, um, you know, keep keep up the good work, man. And, uh, yeah, man, appreciate you guys a lot. Hey, great call, man. Appreciate it. And yeah, you know, underachieving is a great is a great one word, right? I mean, that's that's real. That's not one word. That's two words, isn't it? That's a big that's a big word. Hold on, man. Demond, you're the smart guy. <laughs> anyway, you get my point. Underachieving is is a great way to put it, you know, because they have, you know, again, like they have way too much talent just to be one and three. But we know how things go. You know, you can't just walk on the field and say, "Hey, we're talented." We have that's a dub. Nobody's going to give any team a dub in the NFL. You got to go out there and earn it. And you know, to to other call, you know, the Fargo's call, you know, the tale of two halves. That's what it is. They're underachieving because they haven't played four quarters consistently. They've only played four quarters once. You know, and that was on Sunday when they won versus Denver. So no surprise when you play play four quarters. Guess what happens? You could win a game. But yeah, underachieving, perfect. Uh, tale of two halves, perfect. I like them. Uh, Aaron hit us up on Twitter and said, my biggest storyline is red zone inefficiency. The whole offseason we talked about McDaniel's creativity being a strength in the red zone, and it hasn't worked out that way. It's still early, but it's going to be tested this week against the Chiefs. It really will, and that's going to be a huge test. You cannot exchange seven and three. You just can't. You can't let them get sevens while you're getting threes. You're going to get blown out real quick, fast, and hurry. It's going to look like you're playing a Madden game. Uh, let's go out to the phone line real quick, get one more call in. Raider Mac, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What up, Q? Hey, I'm with DeMond on this one, Q. Hey, look, I got some homegirls, and we've been friends for 20 years, man, you know, from the hood. And and I'm just telling you, you can you can be friends with certain girls because certain girls are just, they just down with you. They just ain't, you know, I'm just saying that. But what I think is the biggest thing is the defense. The defense, uh, my my biggest concern is that they play good one half and then the other half they don't play that good. So we need to get the defense consistent and also, hey hey, um, what's the safety name? The um, uh, the young kid that we got from TCU. Oh, Mark. Merrick Trayvon Merrick. Trayvon Merrick. Hey, he's a bust. I'm telling you this right now. This dude has not done nothing. In I mean, he's been in the league for two years. I'll give me one more year before I. I did say he was a bust, but but Q, he hasn't done nothing. He don't come up and do no hidden. He don't do no interceptions. He just sit back and he's only played. He was a baller. He's you only can't... played. He's only played one game this year, and then and then he didn't okay. even start last okay, week. But last year he didn't do nothing. He just stood back in thirty yards. He had time. He had things to make plays. Go look at other safeties in the league, and don't tell me because he's young. Because I got a couple of guys that's in the league that's young with the Steelers, with other teams that's making plays. He just sits back there and don't he don't react to the ball. Every touchdown that we got in the back of the end zone, even last year touchdowns when they scored those touchdowns, he didn't do anything. I, I'm not saying he's not a good player, but he's not he's not an impact player. And okay. that's what we need back there. Q and uh Demond, you can have homegirls that's that's your friend. Don't let don't let Q tell you that. That Q, I'm sorry, man, but you, we can have homegirls as our friend. I'm out on that. All right, hey, that, that's all right. Like I said, you can always disagree with me, man. I have no problem with that. I'm just saying, you know, you can have the homegirl that goes with you to the hoop court. But perfect example. Then we'll take a break. 
I was at my high school reunion, man, and uh, it was so funny. Me and the wife, we rolled into my high school reunion, and some girl that I talked to for a quick minute in high school, I talked to. I put that in air quotes. I talked to her. She came up and gave me a big hug and then looked at the wife and goes, oh, me and Q were best friends in school. And I looked at her like, we were? <laughs> you know what I mean? We were. Are you serious? Are you sure about that? <laughs> I didn't even know we were friends <laughs> at all. So, you know, I get it. I get it. I know it's possible, but it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't plan A, right? It might end up being plan B. It ain't plan A, at least for not me. That's, you know, it is what it is. But keep firing in those, uh, those, uh, those responses to the topic of the show today, storylines. Looking for the biggest storylines that you think uh, that you could describe for the Raiders for the first four games of the season. Hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. That is our text line. Hit us up with that because we got Josh Klingler, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City, also does sidelines for Chiefs Radio Network. He's coming up next on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. The more you get used to winning and, and uh, you know, that's, kind of, that's, that's your standard, then it's not as big of a deal. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I hate losing more than I like winning. So at the end of the day, if I win a game, I'm going to be like, great, that's, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. And I'm not going to be jumping around and uh, all crazy. Obviously, we'll be excited about it. Um, but there comes a time where, you know, by Wednesday at the latest, you got to, you know, start thinking about the next week. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Devontae Adams yesterday, he was uh, meeting with the media and he was talking about it's that alpha dog mentality right there. Uh, hate to lose more than you like to win. There's certain players, the special players, that's exactly how they feel. Again, Devontae Adams from yesterday's media session. This is Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Right now, we got to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and to help us break the Chiefs down, we're going to talk with Josh Klingler, Sports Radio 610, works the morning show and also does the sideline reporting for Chiefs Radio Network. And Josh, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you. And I started off the show talking about the Raiders storylines and what people thought were the biggest storylines through the first four games. For Kansas City, what would you say the biggest storyline is for the Chiefs so far? Well, it's, it's funny. It, it probably depends inside or outside of Kansas City. Everybody outside of Kansas City, the entire storyline of the entire offseason was, what are you going to do without Tyreek Hill? Um, that hasn't quite been the storyline inside of Kansas City, where I think everybody kind of got to a peaceful spot with uh, without having Tyreek Hill and then understood uh, the, the dollar figure they didn't want to get involved in, and then they did add a bunch of pieces and made a really good wide receiver room. So uh, all eyes have been on the offense. There's no doubt about it. And uh, wondering what form they were going to take entering this season. And I think we've seen through four games they can sc- still score points. And you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and you're still doing okay offensively. So certainly that was the, the, the biggest eyes were on that portion of it. Probably the biggest story is ended up being – uh, the defense and how they have uh, progressed already to start a season. Typically kind of a slow starting defense under uh, Steve Spagnolo has gotten off to a, maybe a faster start than they normally have. And so with a lot of new pieces as well. So I think they're probably been the biggest story, but you know, you got Patrick Mahomes and you got this offense. We know where the bright lights always shine. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, getting back to that defense real quick, what has Spags done to allow that defense to be so good, particularly against the run? Well, obviously last week, I mean, numbers are a little bit skewed because last week uh, Tampa Bay just abandoned the run after the right. early deficit. They only ran it six times. So 
Um, you know, I, I think that skews it a little bit. They do have the number one rush defense enough to foul through four, but there's a little bit of an asterisk there. But even the week before against the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, they were really good against the run. And I think it starts with the, the guys up front. And then uh, Nick Bolton's been terrific at the uh, linebacker position, the second-year uh, middle linebacker. He's, he's, uh, he's a guy that's going to be a problem for a lot of teams for a lot of years. He looks like yeah, the, the real deal in the middle. And so he kind of plugs the gaps. Uh, the guys up front have done a nice job, and yeah, I think maybe taking a priority in that as well. That you know, you always have to you, you always say, and it, sometimes I feel like it's lip service. You got to stop the run first. That hasn't always been the case, and Chiefs haven't always been good at it. So I think they'll take it that they're not ranked number one at least for a couple weeks. But the Bucks had something to do with it, not running the football at all last week. I have never seen a, a six carry game in a in a in a pro game. It feels like a, a college spread offense, but that's kind of where the Bucks got themselves into with the early deficit last week. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, you get into a hole, then all of a sudden you got to throw, throw, throw. And look, the Raiders barely got their run game going last week with Josh Jacobs. He had his best career game, and, and that's how they got to win. So I'm thinking that they're going to have to lean heavily on the run, but then Kansas City has a really good run defense. Still sticking with the defensive side of things uh, with Devontae Adams. Obviously, he's the alpha dog on, on the offense for the Raiders. How do you see that matchup? Who do you see matching up with Devontae? Yeah, that's a tough one, obviously. And uh, if there's a spot that I think still kind of a work in progress, it's probably in the in the secondary a bit. And you know, if you get the right matchups, who can you maybe try to pick on? Well, Jerry Sneed has been their best uh, defensive back, but he typically will kind of move to the slot when they go extra uh, wideouts. And so they've had uh, Rashad Fenton working on one of the on the edges, and then uh, their first round pick was the starter Trent McDuffie. Mm-hmm. But he's been out since early on, so hasn't been in there. So it's been a, a combination of rookies, including uh, Jalen Watson, who did have a um, a pick six earlier this season that uh, got his kind of confidence going, but largely untested. Um, so it, it, if they get the right matchup, um, that's going to be a tough guy to stop. Mike Evans had a pretty good game last week against the uh, the secondary, and so uh, I'm guessing they'll try to devote a little more attention to uh, getting extra people if they can over towards. Devonte Adams, but this defense is one that that will blitz from a number of spots uh, and and leave a lot of one on one situations. So if you can make the quick calls and exploit those spots, uh, you know it is a defense that you can get uh, at times when it comes to, to throwing the football. Talking all things Chiefs right now with Josh Klingler from Sports Radio six ten in Kansas City here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Demond's got one for you. With all the hype that was being made in the offseason about Tyreek Hill leaving the team, the Chiefs offense had still been humming. How has it looked? Would have been some different wrinkles in this Chiefs offense without Tyreek Hill? Well, obviously having Tyreek gives you the opportunity to break a you know, 50 or more yard uh, play at any particular time. But we kind of saw even last year, like teams were taking that away from the Chiefs. And, then, and maybe Patrick Mahomes got a little bit impatient, kind of looking for that home run ball. So now it's not as much about the home run ball, and I think that's, that's been good. He's also just spread the football around everybody. So um, I think 10 different uh, players had targets last week, eight had catches. Um, Travis Kelsey's been pretty unguardable uh, thus far, and so he's been the, the lead guy, and then they've sprinkled in other uh, wide receivers. Haven't had that full big wide receiver game just yet, but I think Juju Smith-Schuster um, is going to be a guy that's going to work the middle of the field. Um, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling can get down the field. They haven't got a lot of opportunities for him down the field just yet. And then they've just mixed in a whole bunch of different other players as well. They've thrown the ball a little bit more out of the backfield. And so it's been uh, maybe not looking as much for the home run and being content to at times take what the defense gives you, but also just move the football around and keep people guessing. 
their ability to keep you off guard by using so many different pieces, um, you know, makes them a, makes them a difficult scout right now because you know you got Travis Kelsey to contend with, and then you got a whole bunch of guys just running all over the place. And and Patrick Mahomes is one that loves to you know keep everybody fed, and he does a real good job at that. And he has so far that you know Kelsey's going to get the majority of stuff, but uh, but everybody else is going to get their turns too. When it comes to defending Patrick Mahomes, is that approach of, hey, making him go dink and dunk and maybe use the too high look, is that still the best way to defend Patrick Mahomes, in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to get burned deep. And, and uh, I, I think, you know, if it were me, I hate playing defensive coordinator for other teams <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, give us away. It's like, I, I can't believe, I, I put like four guys around Kelsey and just like, Forget it. Make somebody else beat me, you know. And and teams haven't quite done that. And so he, you know, he uses Kelsey in the middle of the field and and is content to do that. Kelsey will eat up ground in the middle of the field, but uh, but also I think you know just being a little more content to not, as I said, kind of go for the home run. Teams really did a good job of taking it away last year, and and at times it, it made them a little bit uncomfortable. I think they've had the off season to kind of adjust in that direction, and then obviously with the the kind of forced adjustment in personnel. I think has allowed them to be a little more patient in that regard. But yeah, it's still the it's still the best formula. You don't blitz the guy. I tell you that that that's he, he just burns blitzes. But um, if you can set people back and and force them to pick spots, that's your best uh, opportunity for success. Josh Klingler is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. How about the running back? Something that I haven't seen Andy Reid use a whole lot since he's been the Chiefs head coach. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Isaiah Pacheco, they're off to a really good start. What has made prompted Andy Reid to use the running back so much so far? Well, they they weren't good two games ago against uh, against Indianapolis, and the mm-hmm. offensive line probably had their their poorest uh, outing. And then they came back and they were the absolute story last week against the Buccaneers, controlling the line of scrimmage, and so. Uh, it's it's kind of a mean, nasty group that likes to to run block. Um, so I think that 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 helps as well. If they're in the right mindset and they're having success up front, that helps. And then uh, yeah, we've seen a nice little one-two punch with uh, with Edward Solaire, who's you know was the number one uh, first round draft pick and and has battled some injuries. And I think this this rookie Isaiah Pacheco has also kind of pushed him in that regard too. Uh, Pacheco just runs really hard. Uh, Still trying to find his way to, in the NFL, I think at times to, to find the right hole to run through. But he runs really like he runs really hard. It's not not always in the open space, but but I think it's forced uh, Ceh a little bit. I think it's brought uh, the, the the best in him to kind of push his game a little bit too. Look, they're gonna they're gonna throw the ball majority of the time. Last week was the ultimate balance where they had uh, they had an absolute balance of run and pass. But we know it's uh, it's Andy Reid, it's West Coast system, and you got. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, so you're not going to be over-reliant on the run, but, but they are indeed better, like any team, if, if they establish at least a, a uh, threatening running game to go along with that uh, dangerous passing attack. Josh, the, uh, the, the, um, the special teams unit hasn't been great, and uh, obviously a lot of that has to do with uh, Harrison Bucker being out. Do you expect him to come back this Monday? It doesn't sound like it. Didn't practice again today. and um, I think they could probably try to buy themselves another week. They had... Uh, a kicker two weeks ago, Matt Amendola, who uh, missed extra points and missed a couple field goals, and, and uh, they made a switch and brought in another kicker in Matthew Wright, who was really good last week, and I think that affords them the opportunity to maybe buy another week. He's just had a, a bad it's – a, it's, it's not the kicking foot, it's the plant foot ankle that he, hmm. that he had the, the problems with. And the, uh, Andy Reid said today he just hasn't been able to get the swelling out of it, and so I think that they're trying to kind of slow play him a little bit, try to move week to week with another kicker if possible. It's almost looking like they probably should have put him on injured reserve had they known. 
and uh, and and just moved on for you know four weeks. But um, it's, he's kind of a week to week deal, but didn't practice today. And I, I can't imagine at, at this stage that you'll see him based on the the guy that replaced him did okay last week. So I think that they're uh, going to slow play. He's a he's a very dangerous kicking weapon, but um, I think that you know they want to get him healthy for later in the season. Keeping it with special teams, punt returner Sky Moore. He's been doing okay. He did fumble a punt like a few weeks ago against the Colts, but what could he do to maybe get some more reps at receiver? Um, well, I, they did get him involved last week for the first time, really, and got him down the field a couple of times. Got a, a couple of nice gains. I think uh, I think he had two 15-plus yard catches last week. Um, it's just you know kind of tough cracking the pecking order of that wide receiver group, too. As I mentioned, you have MBS, Juju, McCole um, Hardman, who's been battling a little bit of a heel issue, but he's been out there every time. He's ahead in the packing order. Uh, Justin Watson, a guy they uh, plucked off the uh, the Tampa Bay practice squad, has been a, a nice uh, a security blanket. Seems to be a guy that gets open all the time. And so it's allowed Sky Moore to be a rookie at that position primarily. And so I think it's going to be still not a, not a huge volume uh, situation for him in year number one. And then on the, on the special teams, yeah, two games ago, he looked like an outfielder that was having problems finding the ball in the sun. I mean, he was an absolute mess. Uh, but but uh, was a lot better last week. Isaiah Pacheco is the kick returner, so you got a couple of rookies that are returning punts and kicks. So I guess you have to live with some of the good and bad there. <laughs> no doubt about it. And Josh, before we let you go, as I was introducing you uh, to, uh, when I started the show today, I, I mentioned that you were the uh, sideline reporter for the Chiefs Radio Network, and I said you have the best job in football. Uh, love the fact that you're the, the sideline reporter. Uh, that's a job that I, at some point, uh, and I tell the Raiders all the time, hey, man, if you need a sideline guy, I'm your guy. But <laughs> How great of a, a vantage point is it to be on the sideline during an NFL game? Oh, it's 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 tremendous. I mean, you see the speed right in front of your face, and uh, you know, you, sometimes you hear some stuff, right? That's, <laughs> yes. that's going on, right? Yes. You know, NFL film captures captures a bunch of it, but but sometimes you hear stuff or see stuff. So, no, it's a it's a great vantage point, and obviously the speed of the game. I mean, that's anybody that sits in the you know the, the lower rows of a, of a of an NFL game could probably tell you this as well. But you're right there on the field and you see these guys uh, speed uh, out there is, is something uh, amazing to watch at every, every level every guy's fast right i mean yep. you, you go watch a college game you're like some guys are fast to stand out you go to the nfl you're like every one of these guys is fast and yep. so that's the biggest part that stands out no it is it's incredible it's a it's a hell of a job so uh, congratulations on, on being part of that and, and again i always say it's the best job in football and uh it's, keep it's kind of weird it's kind of weird though um this is my third season as a sideline reporter and uh Season one was uh, was COVID, and so we didn't travel. Yeah, uh, I, I was on uh, I was on uh, well at home. Uh, we we didn't go on the field, right? So the, I was a sideline reporter that wasn't on the sideline for an entire year. Wow, kind of strange because you know all the stadiums had the had the COVID restrictions, and so yep. we were in like essentially the front row of the stadium. Uh, we traveled one time that year. We didn't go on any, any road games. Traveled one time, and it was the Super Bowl. My first road game as a sideline reporter was at the Super Bowl, which is not bad, right? No. Interesting story to tell. And then, uh, then year two, um, you know, it was it was kind of uh, it was it was uh, non normal travel. We didn't travel with the team, and so we'd kind of meet them city to city, and you still had to kind of keep your distance from everybody. And so this is the first year that's actually kind of real. So it's been a it's been a strange kind of ride. So this is a the first year where everything's got quote-unquote normal and i hope it stays that way yeah i do too and, and you know what josh since you mentioned ride let me ask you this real quick before i let you go is the bus trip around the stadium is that still a, a big time storyline <laughs> conversation or is it the uh, stomping on the on the logo last season which one's the bigger one 
Well, yeah, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't dance with the logo. That that ticked him off. But la- last year, I think it was uh, it was the bus before the game, right? Before the, the before the game, this made us mad. Was the 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 trip around the stadium? That certainly was a a, uh, a used as kind of bulletin board material. And then yeah, the stomping on the logo. Our 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 color analyst is a former uh, former chief, Dan Hughes, a wide receiver, and yeah. He was so hot about that before the game started, and uh, so and I know the players were to a certain extent. But it's funny to see a former, like to me, you know, I didn't play, so I'm like, okay, I get it. Kind of can make you mad. A former player, man, I I had to restrain Dana from going down the field. He was really ticked off about it. So so yeah, I'm sure that that will resonate a little bit. But you know, they got they got their their big time scoreboard run up last year, so yeah. all those are probably gone and, and probably erased at the moment. But you know. I don't. I don't understand doing stuff either ahead of time or like that. It never seems to work. You can ask the Bucks last week. They were they were jawing about the uh, the Chiefs' offensive line and uh, the offensive line. Of the Chiefs had the last laugh. So I, I, I never understood. I guess the other one is uh, this week is, is Sauce Gardner. Um, you know, saying Tyre, he's covered fast receivers before, and um, you know that that maybe not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but. I'm like, no, Tyree kills really, really fast, dude. Like, don't, don't be, don't be poking the bear. I don't understand what teams poke the bear. I find it kind of silly. But right, you know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, keep up the great work, both on the radio show and on the sidelines, my man. Great stuff today. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, anytime. Thanks so much. There he goes, Josh Klingler, Sports Radio 610 in KC. Also does sidelines for the Chiefs Radio Network. Does a fantastic job at both, and we definitely appreciate him. 248 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number one, just like that. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. I don't know. Any kind of relationship in the future coming between you and DeMond? That is my best friend for over almost 12 years now. No. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. <laughs> oh man greatness right there that was kayla who actually shared the airways with us was a guest on our show talking about damon her air quote best friend also the guy who was a captain on the basketball team that she his best friend never saw on the court but that's a whole nother story for another day but well done there Demond, we can have these best friend conversations up till about, like I said earlier, about 4.30. Then we got to shut them on down. I'm just saying. Somewhere my mom is like, this boy is going to get himself in trouble. I'm going to end up, what's going to happen is my dumb self is going to stop looking at the clock, and I'm going to keep on talking, and I'm going to have to go to my mama's house and spend the night tonight. <laughs> Mama! <laughs> Mama! You got a couch? <laughs> I sleep on the couch tonight. I done got myself in trouble. I said too much on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for the biggest storylines from the silver and black. All day Raider A said, my biggest storyline so far is, can Josh McDaniels cut it as a head coach or is he just a good OC? If so, he needs to stay in the Belichick friend zone. So there's that. And, of course, that's going to be a question until he proves himself, right? That's not, that's, not a, that's not an unfair critique. He has to prove himself, as everyone does. One more quick text on our text line at 69187, keyword R&R from the 707. Part of the big storyline after four games is the fact that Ziggler and McDaniels didn't address the O-line issues in the offseason, and that has led to other big storylines, which is the subpar performance of the offense in general so far. This offense was supposed to be a 28 to 30 point per game, not 22. Thank you so much for that text as well. Appreciate you. Let's get one more quick call. Uh, Roseville Raider, you're up out to 916. What's up, my man? Welcome to the show. What's going on, brother? How you guys doing? Chilling, man. Chilling. 
Good, good. Hey, so uh, the reason I'm calling is because I heard I heard homeboy talking about Trevon Merrick as a bust, and he didn't even even know what his name was. And I'm sitting here like this is a Raider fan calling into a Raider show, doesn't even know who he's trying to call a bust. Come on now, let's let's be honest with ourselves. The dude has so much talent. He has not played terrible for us. He's he's been actually pretty decent for us up the middle. So you know, whoever that was, yeah, I, I don't know what you're spoken, but it's not Friday yet, buddy. You got to keep it real. Um, I'm going to say the biggest storyline is definitely going to have to be um, can Josh McDaniels get it done? I mean, you see, he comes in to a team that's already had a playoff uh, appearance. You know, he has all the weapons there. They didn't address the offensive line. They maybe they felt comfortable. Maybe they felt like they couldn't really do much given the market. So they kind of were doing the best they could with what they had. Uh, they go out and find the best free agency in the league thinking that's going to be enough for Derek Carr. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a matter of can McDaniels put it together, like I've been hearing a lot of people say, or is, you know, he just another uh, glorified Belichick tree family member who tries to branch off and really can't get it done. Um, but I'm going to remain optimistic. You know, I'm a Raider fan, so I'm not going to bash them too much. We got a good win against the Donkeys. I knew it. And what did I say? My key to victory, I called last Friday, and what I say my key to victory was, Feed Josh Jacobs, and that's exactly what he did. He ate. He had a McFadden burger. I'm out. <laughs> hey, good call, and I remember that call from last week. You absolutely did, so good stuff right there. And, yeah, I think Trayvon Merrick is a good player. I really do. Um, now, again, I always tell you you're, you're always welcome to disagree with anything I say. I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I think Trayvon Merrick has a bright future. I thought he did well as a rookie. Uh, yeah, I mean, he put one on the ground. He should have intercepted in that Washington game. That would have sealed the deal for the Raiders, but uh, he just didn't. He put it on the ground, so that was that. But I, I think he's a good player. He played a lot of snaps last season, and this season he only played – he started the first game, and then he didn't play. He missed two games, and then he played uh, last week against Denver, but he didn't even start. So I think that – I think he's a, a good player, and I know a lot of people – I got hit up on Twitter by a lot of people saying, oh, Q, Trayvon Merrick's a bust after that big, long play when, uh, when Denver went down the field really quick and scored a touchdown. But that wasn't even on Merrick. That was on Jerron Harmon. Jerron Harmon got beat on that one if you go back and look at that play. But, hey, you know, he's, he's got to go out there and prove that he is the guy and not a bust. So, uh, like I said, I'm okay with anyone disagreeing with uh, any of my thoughts. I definitely appreciate you, and good call, my man. Uh, good stuff. 2.57 is the time. We'll come back. Matt Lombardo from the Matt Lombardo Show, presented by Heavy On Sports, will join us to talk about his new show and talk about his first guest he had on the show, one Devontae Adams. That's all coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.